Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom every day. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Woods. And as always, we try to share some great ideas that awesome educators are doing. We're, they're adding science, technology, engineering, and math to their everyday classroom. And with us today is Angela Abend, and she is a Project Extra teacher. I'll let her tell you what that means. She's from Oceanside, New York. She's been teaching for about 30-ish years, and she does some awesome things with her gifted and talented kids. So welcome to the show, Angela. Oh, welcome, and thank you for having me, Chris. Yeah, and, and I'm so excited to have someone to be able to share with people about how to, how to incorporate STEM and gifted and talented kids. So, but first, I want to I back up and let you just, just tell us about how you became a teacher and then how you kind of got pushed into STEM. Okay. Um, like you said, I've been teaching for about 30 years. I knew going into college, I wanted to work with children. I had worked in camps for many years and I knew that's where I wanted to go. And I started in Oceanside in the regular classroom and I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And about 18, 19 years in, um, I went for my gifted education certification. It was my own son who drove me into the Um, area of gifted education. Um, He was about three or four years old and having some difficulties in preschool. And he went in for some testing. And the evaluator did share with me that he scored off the charts. And maybe (laughs) that was the reason why he wasn't behaving so beautifully in preschool. Uh There was also also some speech language delay there as well. So um, he really inspired me to go back to school and to learn as much as I could so I could help him. And in the process, the position opened up within my own district. So I had the opportunity to not only reach out and help my own child, but then connect to the children of the community as well. So right now there are 141 children in the program. Wow. And I could all count back to uh, my son, who's now 25 years old and working as an engineer and studying for his master's at Columbia. Um, I could all, um, I give him the credit for it. He inspired me to go back to study. And in that process, um, I was able to do what I'm doing right now. And that's That's, working with the gifted and talented children in the um, Oceanside School District. That's awesome, Angela. And just thinking um, a story like that where, where it starts with a kid that maybe our first inclination is, is that they're not paying attention or they're mm-hmm. not really learning. And, and what an incredible story. Mm-hmm. And it was really my, uh, my pediatrician because with everyone giving me, Oh, you should bring him here and bring him there. And finally I brought him to the pediatrician and he said, Angela, just, just go for the testing. I'm sure this is the issue. And he was right. And I give him so much credit for really opening my eyes because, we look at the misbehavior and we wonder why he's doing that, not who he is, but the why. And it all goes back to the way his mind was just running at a speed that he could not keep up with. And eventually he was put in the right placement with the right people who understood who he was and a totally different child blossomed. And And in turn, I wanted to do that for, you know, other people's children and, and help them. But absolutely. And he was, he, he truly inspired me. 
That's, that's incredible. That's, and that's such a good reminder, such a good reminder for mm-hmm. us as teachers. Um, so Angela, now you've been working with these gifted and talented kids. You said a hundred and some students. So it's obviously not like one contained classroom, right? No, no, no. So it's, um, it's a large school district, a large suburban school district on Long Island. And there are six elementary schools that okay. feed into the program. So I see each class for half a day. And it is a gifted enrichment program. So I see fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So I'll see the sixth graders for most classes in the morning. The fourth and fifth grade class is a combined class. I'll see them in the afternoon. Okay. So from Monday morning to Friday afternoon, um, approximately 140 children would have come in and out of the program. So it's a very wow. large school district, yes. That's, that's, that's got to be, a, first of all, a challenge. I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of people working with, you know, just one contained classroom, elementary style. Mm-hmm. You're working with all those different kids. So, so you, get to, you get to look at those kids and say, this is your talents. These are your skills. How can we draw those things out in that everyday classroom, right? Absolutely. And it gives me an opportunity and it gives them an opportunity just to really focus in on those talents in a smaller group setting and most importantly, the fact that they're working with, with peers that are similar, um, many of them comment that they feel so comfortable to be who they are here, mm-hmm. where in the classroom, they may be viewed in a certain way. They may be viewed as the leader. They may be viewed as the child who knows or the child who always gets it. And now they're sitting in a room of, you know, 10 other children yeah. and they're all considered the leaders back at their schools. They're considered the child who who gets it right away or, or what the brainiac type of child. And Mm. here they are all together and they can just be and be themselves and not always feel like they're the one being relied upon Yeah, that they could really soar. Yeah. And trying to figure out those ways in the regular classroom to be able Mm -hmm. to get all those kids to feel like they're a part. So, so you got that, that great atmosphere, you build that every day Mm -hmm. and you get to do things with them that are more STEM and making kind of ideas, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We have a classroom with an attached maker space. And even though it is a physical room, the children could even tell you, I was going to try to have some of the kids here today, but it it wouldn't work, um, couldn't work. And Mm -hmm. they they know that it's not the four walls that contain the maker space, but it's truly that maker philosophy. Um, You know, the ability to think critically and to collaborate. And collaboration with them is key. Um, Again, in another setting, they may be seen as the leader or the one who may pull everything all together. Now, how do I do that with two or three or possibly four of the children who all have very strong ideas, who oh, yeah. are usually the ones who, you know, if, if it's some sort of game activity, will be the one who comes out the winner. Um, so now how do I collaborate? How do I share in that idea? How do I communicate this idea? So um, we're all on the same page and we could all move forward together. And it's very, very difficult for some of them in the beginning. But being a three-year program, with each year, those skills strengthen. So the ability to communicate, to think critically, to collaborate, um, that's what we focus on. So it, it is the process of making and creating. But for a gifted and talented population, it's really that emotional component as well. Um, frustration can run very high. If you have a child who's used to getting something right away and now they're given a task that may be difficult, 
So how do I deal with frustration? How do I keep on going? How do I um, fail well? So these are all the things that are emphasized. So it might just look like I make a project and I bring something home that's absolutely wonderful to share with the adult, but it's all the layers underneath it um, that I was able to accomplish this with another group of children and successfully navigate my emotional self in the process. and, and really that, that making idea, STEM, those kind of things mm-hmm. really do level the playing field when every kid has to try to build something. Every kid has to try mm-hmm. to, to communicate with each other within the confines mm-hmm. of a group as well. And you do a lot Absolutely. of things in, in groups and as projects, right? Absolutely. Like, for example, we're working on um, the Nintendo Labo classroom program right now. And these the Labo products can be very difficult to build. And I see once in a while the child will pass the materials off to someone else and say, I'm not very good at this. Why don't you? And all I have to do is give an eye and the materials go back because (laughs) I want them to be able to, you know, handle materials that they're not accustomed to working with and creating something from scratch that might be difficult to create. So we're at the make process now. And for some of them, they they would love to just take all of this because it's very stimulating and just go full speed ahead. But now looking to the left and to the right, there are two other children I need to share these materials with. And then I'll get the child who shies away from the materials because what I do may not be perfect right now. And for some of them, that's the learning process. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's both, both sides of the coin um, with the children in the program. The ones who just want to totally control and learning to share with the ones around them and the ones who would shy away because they're fear, um, fearful of it not being the perfect, perfect model. Perfect. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. for a kid who is gifted and talented, who's exactly. used to get things right. So, so very exactly. cool. And, and, and I'm also thinking too, uh, maybe a lot of those kinds of gifted and talented kids who are used to being able to fill in the blanks, get the answer, hand it in, get 100% on that. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's different than being able to use those same skills in more of an application, uh, less of a regurgitation or knowledge. Uh, I, I like one of the things on your website, you said that we want kids to be producers, not consumers of knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the culminating events in sixth grade is the annual invention convention. It's held at the library and starting in fourth and fifth grade, they start to think about these ideas is what can I create to solve a problem, Mm. go through the entire engineering design process from beginning to end. And once I create this, how do I share this with the community? So the library opens a very large room on a Saturday, the entire community is invited. And again, with uh, not being a consumer, but a producer, I'm creating something. It's going to solve a problem in the world. And now I'm sharing it with my greater community, not just with my mom or dad, not just on the refrigerator, but anyone who wishes to stop by the library and the ability to communicate and to stand there and to stand by their product. But absolutely. And that's one of the um, highlights of sixth grade. And that's our annual invention convention. So that's an example of that. Yes. Yeah, and, and in fact, I, I like watching the different things that Angela posts on her Twitter, and you can find her on Twitter at Angela Aubin. And mm-hmm. if you uh, need that, the, that'll be in the show notes, of course, on this podcast. But, but yeah, when, I can remember seeing some of the different things that you, that you had posted that kids were doing on those invention conventions. And what a great idea to really make that tangible. This is 
like, like we talk about PBL, you can't just mm-hmm. make a project, but you want to have some sort of something that you can present to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we had shared earlier, um, one of the organizations we've connected to is um, Out on a Limb. Mm-hmm. And it is, a, and what's wonderful about it is it's a local organization um, from Oceanside, and the the founding president, um, or the leader of the particular organization, he stops by the classroom, Mr. Shulman, all the time to talk to the kids. And we started um, a few years ago um, connecting to certain charities, basically stemming from our literature. We read The Water Princess a few years ago. And that's written by Susan Verde. It's illustrated by Peter Reynolds. And the kids wanted to know in this great walk for water, who is this Princess Gigi who is walking for water each day? And this is how she's spending her life. And they researched and they found her and she lives in New York now. And all of a sudden, the next day, we're Skyping with her. And and when the children finally did get to present um, their their information and what they had learned, um, they had raised along with the um, students at the high school in the in the um, World Interest Club uh, $2,000 for her organization and she also attended. She came there. So they are, there's like you say, connections to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, we've really connected to Out on a Limb. And last year, we met a little boy, one of the clients of Mr. Shulman who lives in Brooklyn. He came to visit us. And it all started with, I have this 3D printer now in Makerspace. How mm-hmm. could we best utilize it? Yeah. So Mr. Shulman suggested, since Logan has um, a prosthetic leg, that oftentimes when the children wear, say, like dress pants or, or just even jeans or sweatpants, they often cling to the prosthetic. And can we make something to cover it um, oh. that he could cover the prosthetic leg with? So he came in and the children interviewed him. What do you like? What are you interested in? So, of course, we had from Super Mario to Pokemon. The kids <laughs> wrote all these things down and they designed um, a prosthetic cover for his prosthetic leg, put in all the things that he um, enjoys. And he came over a special presentation and we were able to give that to him. So, again, wow. going back to producing going back to giving back to your community. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, that's something that the kids were able to do. And this year we have an idea for, for another project um, that's in the, in the works for out on the limb. So again, using the 3d printer, if you're going to have this equipment in your makerspace, um, it's not just making and creating, but how do you make a difference with it? And that's Definitely. a big part of our makerspace. And um, yeah. that's where we're headed this year again as well. Yeah. And if, and if you don't, uh, if you're not anywhere near New York, like Angela is everywhere has a group and organization like mm-hmm. out on a limb that you can connect with and look around your community and try to find those needs, find those people that, that need something and exactly. challenge, challenge your kids to build and create and make something that, that does it. Not just another trinket that you would do on your 3d printed but exactly. something that's real and tangible. So uh, so we talked about, it's pretty cool that things that you're doing with the brand new Nintendo Labo, and of course people can find out more of those about those on online. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, Angela, and again, we're chatting with Angela Aubin. She's a project extra teacher in Oceanside, New York. And again, you can find her on Twitter at Angela Aubin. STEM and, and Makerspace, it, it really does give kids some great opportunities to build, but it also gives them opportunities to fail and, and struggle through that failing process. I know we talked about the struggling part, but do you have any, any 
things that you maybe tried and they didn't work very well? Um, absolutely. My first few experiences with the 3D printer. Again, it's learning a whole new language. It's looking at things in, in different perspectives. And, and with that, really going back to the kids um, mm-hmm. and working through with them, um, opening up Tinkercad and looking at something um, from different perspectives. I think my students see that um, much more comfortably than I do. <laughs> and they really helped me in the process. They're like, no, Miss yeah. I've been looking at it this way. I said, you're absolutely right. Um, and a lot of times I think we have to do this as teachers, especially teachers of my generation. We were taught, um, you walk into that classroom and you have complete control over every element of what's going on. Oh yeah, you definitely. Make, you, you make sure you're ahead of those students in your room. Um, you, you have every answer. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, I've really learned to give that up. And instead of saying, hey, until I master this, I'm not going to present it to you. By the time I master 3D printing, by the time I share that with my students, probably what I'm sharing with them will become antiquated. Yeah, So exactly. something like that, I will jump in full throttle with them. And again, when they look at me and I just say, I don't know. So I guess that would be, especially to my instructors of 30 years ago, they would say, Angela, that's a failure because you haven't fully mastered this yet. But I guess I would say I'm learning along with them. And I've learned to reach out to people on Twitter to say, hey, I'm stuck on this. What yeah. do I do? And within an hour, like five really awesome people will come to back at you with <laughs> some ideas. And I'm like, okay, so I've learned to give up that control. Yep. And it's just not fair to them. They need everything that's at their fingertips. And now, because if they wait for me at my age to master something that I consider yep. complicated, I'm doing a disservice to them. Yeah. So I would say my, my venture into 3D printing has been with them and with wonderful people in the community who have come to my aid to, to help them. Yeah. In fact, just the other day, Angela, uh, you were, you were having trouble with Tinkercad and you're, you're mm-hmm. sending me information and I'm looking at Tinkercad myself mm-hmm. and hearing that information back. And, and again, that's the power of Twitter and teachers. Again, Absolutely. If you're not using it, it's, it's such a great spot to be able to connect with great people. Uh, like, like you said, Angela, before we were, before we started the show, you've been able to connect with people in a very kind of niche category, working with gifted and talented kids that, there may not be a gifted and talented teacher anywhere nearby you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's um, the first community that I connected with when I um, entered the world of Twitter was the gifted community. And I'm seeing what people are doing in their classrooms throughout the country and your eyes just open up and, and there's a feeling of excitement. It's like, look, Oh, that's, I got, I have to find out more about this or I have to connect with this person. So my gifted community was my, definitely my first um, um, network that I connected with. And it is a very isolating profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but Twitter does offer that opportunity for connection. And then it became um, people in the literary world and the STEM fields. And all of a sudden you have these people you could just ask questions of and people who inspire you. And there's a few gifted teachers. I see what they're doing in their rooms and I'm just like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. And how can I take some of that, bring that to my kids? And, 
And it's, it's really a wonderful avenue for, for any teacher. Um, and even if you wish not to post, but just to see, and, and if you're reading a book and you, and you post something and then by the next day, the author is commented, the <laughs> children, their, their minds are blown. And, yeah. and this is where our classroom should be. I said, there are no walls down here. So if we're going to read this book, let's see if we can connect with the author. If we're yeah. going to work with something, say like Bloxels, and you have a question, let's record the question. Let's send it to the guys at Bloxels. And within a half hour, we check on Twitter and there's a full response there. Yep. You know, in my big, the beginnings of my teaching, it would have been a piece of loose leaf, you know, folded in thirds, put in an envelope and you waited <laughs> by your teacher mailbox. And here the guys at Bloxels are responding within 15 minutes to Lucas's and Eddie's question. And yep. that to me is another um, beautiful part of the whole Twitter experience for me. Yeah. And just thinking of how many kids maybe in our own classrooms are those gifted or talented kids. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we need something extra. What's that, what's that next step that I could give to them where the, where the regular kids and, um, are just getting, having still trouble trying to figure out the regular stuff. And these other kids exactly. are just sitting around and bored. And there's so many great ideas when, when you start searching for those kind of things out there. And it's, it's incredible. Now, um, do you have a particular Twitter hashtag or anything that you do when you when you search for things for gifted and talented? Um, the GT chat um, is often one. It's um, hashtag GT chat. Um, there's a, a few different teachers I follow, but um, Hoagie's gifted is one that um, many teachers go towards. And okay. yeah, but basically the GT chat and, and the few teachers specifically, but there isn't a one specific, sometimes it's gifted ed or gifted. Uh, some of the hashtags, but I think right now at this point, it's people, but, but true. Yeah. When I first started, I think it was hashtag gifted, hashtag gifted ed and GT chat was where it all started. Great. So those are some good resources for, for teachers out there to, to get a start on some of those things. Mm -hmm. um, what are you, what are you hoping Angela that STEM education keeps pushing towards and looking like in the future? The future, um, I th the whole 21st century skills thing sometimes it's like nails on a blackboard because we're already in <laughs> 2019 so I, I, I just think I, now we should be just calling it skills so um, the skills that we could share with our students where so many of the students who come to me um, master their academics quickly mm -hmm. so now that we, we have a firm grasp on the academics how can I use these skills um, to further myself as a student, as a person that's going to be part of this, this, this greater world? And again, I always go back um, to, to uh, Peter and Paul Reynolds have a book called Going Places. And it was inspired from the, the short film Above and Beyond. And I have a very large poster in the back of my classroom. And the characters of that book are illustrated and the four C's are highlighted of collaboration, critical thinking, communication, and creativity. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when the parents come in in the beginning and I speak with them or if the teachers ask or community members ask, what is it that you do? And so much of it is just not tangible. 
Mm -hmm. But it goes back to those four C's because that's what my students specifically in a gifted, talented population truly need to work on. And they need to work on the ability to really think critically um, to in the beginning of fourth grade when they're given some of these challenges and they're looking at me and say, oh, wait a minute, I, I don't get this right away. And how do I handle that? How do I handle that frustration? The ability to communicate with their peers, that's a very difficult task for the um, gifted population, gifted and talented population, excuse me, and just plenty of opportunities for them to be creative. Wait a minute, we don't have to do this in a certain way. Um, This is open to interpretation and you see the eyes just just widen and and programs like this and programs throughout other districts from um, the teachers I've met provide the opportunity for those kids. So so to STEM in the future is just to provide these opportunities for these students to use these skills, to master these skills, that wherever they go in the world, they can connect, they can communicate, they can do all of these things and be comfortable in who they are, because there's also a social emotional piece there as well, comfortable with who they are in their own skin. And yes, I may think differently, but this is how I connect to the greater world because I think differently. And it's okay to think differently. Yeah. And just thinking through, I mean, if, if all we ever give kids is, is those other two C's, the content and the curriculum, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're missing out on, on all those application aspects, all those higher level thinking skills that, that we all learned about no matter when we went to teacher college mm-hmm. way, back, way back in the day. So mm-hmm. um, one, one last fun question, Angela, and then give you a chance if there's anything else you wanted to mention. But if you could have anybody from STEM, past or present, come be a guest speaker in your classroom just to help inspire those kids. Who would it be? Ah, okay. I have two people coming to mind. Okay. Okay. So I'll go old school. I'll go to my VHS tapes. Oh yeah. All my students who I taught in the eighties, you got to bring in Bill Nye. Oh yeah. So you got to bring back for the science guys. So for all the fun and all the, all the years that I, um, I relied on Bill for my science instruction just to inspire the kids. And so all my kids from way back in the 80s and all of uh, all our uh, Bill Nye VHS tapes. Um, yep. Presently, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. I think we uh, need to hear um, his voice, uh, especially in this, this political climate, is, is to the importance of science and and where we're going as a country. And... I think um, he has just a way that the kids just connect um, when he does speak. And I think he would just be not only for this classroom and the four walls that are here, but just for our society as a whole and for where we're going as a country. I think his voice truly needs to be amplified. And I think our children need to hear it. Great. Cool. So any other last thoughts? Again, we've been chatting with Angela Abend. Any Anything else that, that we want to go back to or any other last thoughts you want to share with the teachers out there? Um, just uh, thank you for just giving me this opportunity to speak. Um, oftentimes we, we looked at our, look at our gifted children in our classroom and we feel they're okay. You know, they understand and, you know, maybe a book in the corner and and or maybe I'll give them the opportunity to be uh, an assistant. And oftentimes the, the children really just need something new. Just remember, they're coming to school each day 
and they want to learn too. And, and what could we do as a community? What could we do as a nation to make sure these children are learning each day and, and are given opportunities to become, um, to become stronger students, to become stronger people. So I would say just in closing, just to, um, they're not always okay. And oftentimes these children are very, very sensitive. And if we could just keep an eye on them as well, and if we could provide opportunities for them to just learn and grow and to strengthen who they are, um, I think it's a very, very important population that we need to take a look at. And oftentimes, sadly, it's a, a population that's neglected in the school system. Mm -hmm. So I'm blessed to be in a district that gives me the opportunity to connect to the children at this level. Um, and I would only hope that other districts would um, give these students on the elementary level an opportunity to really soar. So well, that's what I would want to say in closing. Yeah, well said, Angela. And hey, whether it's your own kid, like like it was your kid, mm -hmm. Angela, or it, that that even brings it all the more important right to our to our heart level if if that mm -hmm. kid is is not being pushed if that kid is not being challenged um we would want our own kids to be all given all those opportunities and and we need exactly. to do that for the, the kids in our own classroom as well well thanks again angela for joining us on on the show today okay thank you for having me and again that was angela abend and you can find her on twitter at Angela Abend. I'm Chris Woods, and thanks for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. You can listen to all the great podcasts on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe and leave a review there as well. Find me on Twitter at Daily STEM, and we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com. Thank <laughs> you.